0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Ida Rodriguez. And we are back with another episode of Truth Serum. Um, We took last week off because some people were celebrating genocide. Some people were celebrating um, (laughs) uh, the killing of turkeys. Um, They were celebrating whatever you wanted to celebrate. I just chose to kick it with my family. And as usual, we wake up in the morning and say, we made it another day because every day is surviving. In America, especially if you are brown or black. Um, I want to say thank you to all of you who have been supporting the show. Uh, You keep showing up and showing out, and I appreciate that. Here, we want to hear the voices of the people who look like us, sound like us, talk like us, smell like us, and have something to say. Um, Mainstream media is becoming, well, it's trash. We know it's trash, and it just keeps giving the microphone to the buffoons and the fools, and we refuse to do that here at Truth Serum, where we give it to you straight with no chaser. I'm excited about this episode because um, this is one of the people that I actually pay attention to on Twitter. I've muted 95% of the people I follow, (laughs) and I only pay attention to a few voices because a lot of y'all ain't talking about shit, and it's really... Um, I don't know if you're watching what's happening in our world, but it's some serious, there's some serious stuff going on. And while we're not watching and worrying about who Khloe Kardashian is sleeping with and who had a nose job, uh, people are losing their homes. Uh, homelessness is getting, is well, it's already been out of hand, but people are going to be homeless because they're going to be evicted. Um, we got these clowns in DC trying to figure out when they're going to sprinkle these you know, sprinkle these little whatever to the people and the people are suffering. So those of us who are about the people um, really take this on and we have to deal with the crazies daily. This is uh, Benjamin Dixon is joining me. He's a host of the Benjamin Dixon show, but I think one of the leading voices in this progressive fight. And I think it's very important for us to have these conversations because we're not trying to turn America into Cuba. How you doing, Benjamin? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. How are you, Ida? Thanks so much for having me.
0: I'm glad you're here. Um, you were one of the first people that Irina and I said we wanted to have on the show because I think it's very important to start with um, talking about what being a progressive is. So many people have hijacked this uh, this term to serve uh, whatever it is that they're trying to uh, use to instill fear in the people. And right. I wanted you, uh, because you are one of our leading voices in this fight, um, to just simply tell us what, what being a progressive is to you.
1: Uh, well, the first thing I, I want to say is that you definitely nailed it. There are a lot of people who've co-opted the word progressive because it is a good brand, mm-hmm. Right. Uh, It's really easy to get a whole lot of followers and subscribers and stuff if you're the most progressive of all progressives. But at the end of the day, if you're not fighting for the liberation of all marginalized people at every intersection, everywhere across the globe, I don't know that you can call yourself a real progressive. So to me, progressivism is all about liberating marginalized people.
0: Amen. And and so, you know, it's funny because Brooke Thomas from who was on TYT Mm -hmm. and I, had this conversation about how even being a progressive has been hijacked by, you know, white people who are liberal people who call themselves progressive and they and then they invite us to the party, not realizing that the fight began with us. It, it, it's for the purpose of our liberation. Right. Um, so a lot of progressive talk right now. Joe Biden, even um, naming some of the people in his Joe Biden army. Um, and stating, telling us that they are progressive and progressive thinkers. What do you think is happening right now in terms of the hijacking of the term and what's happening in the, this future administration that people think is going to?
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> they are. They're doing their best to um, redefine progressivism in general because they know that there is a progressive push. There's a, there's a groundswell. Um, organizations and institutional power that is gathering around actual progressives. And when I say actual progressives, again, I don't care about the title. I don't really care what you call us. But the people who are fighting on behalf of marginalized people, on behalf of black and brown people, indigenous people, uh, uh, LGBTQIA, those of us who are fighting on behalf of them, right, what Joe Biden is actively trying to do is to redefine progressivism so that he could kind of pacify us. Right. And make us think, at least they think (laughs) they're going to be able to convince us that this administration is progressive. But we're going to have to watch them like uh, uh, like hawks every single day.
0: So one of the things that we um, uh, within this fight, um, we got involved and the Black Lives Matter came about, you know, Ferguson. We started talking about using this term. They uh, weaponized the term. They politicized it. And we had been fighting um, for the ideology, the, the belief that Black lives matter, right? Mm-hmm. This is not about an organization. It is not about money. It is just basically about the fundamental right to be a Black person in America, and have what is granted to you by this, you know, alleged Constitution. Mm-hmm. Now we're seeing it with defund the police, and Barack Obama made a statement about it, um, and we're gonna play, play the video for those of you who didn't see
2: um, Obama. I guess you can use a snappy slogan like, defund the police, but you know you've lost a big audience the minute you say it, which makes it a lot less likely that you're actually going to get the changes you want done. But if you instead say, let's reform the police department so that everybody's being treated fairly you know, divert young people from getting into crime. And if there's a homeless guy, can maybe we send a mental health worker there instead of an armed unit that could end up resulting in a tragedy. Suddenly, a whole bunch of folks who might not otherwise listen to you are listening to you. So the key is deciding, do you want to actually get something done or do you want to feel good among the people you already agree with? Uh, who is he trying
1: to who, who is he trying to fool like does he honestly believe that they're going to be people who we can convince about this right because there are people who have looked at everything that has happened with police brutality across this country Um, since the, I mean one of the first images I remember um was Rodney King right so we've been seeing this front and center since Rodney King back in the 90s And here we are still doing the same thing. So, you know, I'm really disappointed that Barack Obama ain't really learned nothing while he was in the, uh, the president of the United States. Right. Because he should really understand very clearly that we are not going to convince any moderate Republicans to do anything with us. Anything. They won't even save their own damn lives. Right. They won't even put on a mask to save the lives of their grandmother or their children or whatever. So why would we ever think that it is a good strategy to try to appeal to people who can't even see our suffering in the first place?
0: Yeah. You know, I'm tired of us being told to police our words, to mind our words, to, you know, to appease a group of people like you say that don't don't see us anyway. Right. We Mm -hmm. We are always being told, you know, even with Black Lives Matter, we had to push back from All Lives Matter, but it just became, why do we all, why is that the left always feels like they have to be, you know, they have to pander? Because that's just damn right pandering. Mm. You know,
1: I I, I don't know the answer to that. I I actually have to to chew on that for a little while. But I, I think, I think that it could be more nefarious. I think that it could be that Barack Obama knows exactly what he's doing. Right. You know, I started off by saying, well, maybe he didn't learn anything in the White House about how uh, uh, how unmovable Republicans really are. But the fact of the matter is, is maybe he actually knows exactly what the hell he's doing. And he has a vested interest in protecting the power structure as it is right now, because the power structure preserved and took care of him pretty good. So there are a lot of Democrats who actually are in lockstep with the policing agencies across this country, so of course they don't want to see them defunded.
0: You know, and I—I I mean, I, I just think that we have to stop um, minding our words. We have to stop being afraid of revolution. I mean, I talk about it all the time because what we have been experiencing for so long, and all of the uh, all of the trying to accommodate our oppressor has not worked. No.
1: At all, at, at all, by design, right? Because the oppressor has set out rules that are disguised as civility, but civility itself is a tool of keeping the powerful powerful.
0: Yeah, and 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 why is it? I mean, it's it, it's that church, that church that got shot up, and the mm. first thing they asked was, "Do you forgive?" Jesus. The, I mean, it is unbelievable how we're constantly being told that we need to watch our words mind our words yeah. defund the fucking police is not abolish the police
1: right right because right. Uh, really you remember clear as day nobody in the street was chanting defund the police they were saying abolish the police so defunding the police is the compromise
0: right mm-hmm. <laughs> i think that um one of the biggest uh, problems that I have is when people say to me and, and people have been very aggressive and, and actually violent with violence mm. toward me, towards me. When I say I hear cops say my job is to get home and it's like, no, your job is for me to get home. Mm. I'm tired of hearing y'all saying y'all tired. This is your job. Right. De- the police is a solution for you to be not be tired because we're removing certain responsibilities from you. Right. 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 So I, I just.
1: um. But they don't want that, though. See, see, here's the thing. Like they they have billion dollar budgets in cities. You know what I mean? That like it makes up 40, 50, 60 percent of their budget. Right. It's obscene. And they don't want to get rid of those dollars, period. Who and what organization ever wants to actively give up money? So it's not a matter of of them being uh, more efficient it's not a matter of a better allocation of resources. They don't, police don't care about that. They just want those dollars to come into their coffers so that they can buy their new tanks.
0: You know, um, it, it's really interesting. I mean, I love, I, I love, um, I follow you on Twitter and you, you don't, you know, you don't miss words and you really go in <laughs> I, and I'm like, I, cause it makes me feel like I'm okay. People get really uncomfortable. Yeah. But, what people, white people who are like really triggered and black people who like to pander to white people don't realize that every single fight for us to have freedom has been a revolutionary thought at its yes. beginning.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing like and then you said something in your opening uh, monologue where you were like, it, it really is progress in this country has come uh, um, on the backs. Of black, brown, and indigenous people in this country, very specifically, right? And so it it is the the people who have what this country needs, the truth serum, right? The antidote to the problems of this country are the ones who are told to be quiet and to be civil and to watch your words and watch your tone. Don't say it like this, say it like that. Because if you say it like that, what it actually does is it helps protect the power structure as it is.
0: Yeah and it's exhausting. And and those of us who fight this fight are really tired of it. Yeah. And we don't want to hear it anymore because remember the civility talk a few years ago it was the whole we have to be civil and it's it, it, I'm tired of oppressed people being blamed for their oppression. Ah, come on. One <laughs> and then told that they need to be kinder to the people who have their the feet on their neck. So Jamal Bowman had a had a response to Obama and um and this time his uh his connection wasn't
1: he wasn't <laughs> cut. <laughs> I
0: love it, um, and so I wanted to to show to share with the people because people are really getting people get they get real triggered about cops and and you know what people forget is cops are blue collar workers and so many people have them in their families and in their habitats because they are poor people and they're, they they and, and this is this call to action is actually to make it better for them It's to right. create a better system so that they don't have to go around killing black and brown people. Right. Um, Jamal is. Uh, th- take a look at this clip defund the police it's bad messaging because it turns people off to the real reforms that you uh are trying to to put forward what is your response and your take on that do you think there's something to that
2: defund the police does not mean abolish the police it means a dramatic reduction in the number of police in our poor communities and particularly our poor black and brown communities Historically, when our communities have needed jobs, they didn't bring us jobs, they brought us police. And they created a system of mass incarceration. And we live in a country where if you're black or brown, you're uh, more likely to be killed by police and more likely to be incarcerated and more likely to not afford bail. So we're focusing on this slogan, defund the police, but where are the resources to bring jobs into our communities? Where are the resources to fully fund our public schools? Where are the resources to deal with the issue of housing and food insecurity? We're not talking about any of that. We're worried about a slogan. And lastly, only 5% of police work is focused on violent crimes, rape, homicide, aggravated assault. The other 95% can be handled by other agencies, mental health institutions, domestic violence professionals, et cetera. So we've been doing policing all wrong for decades. In some cities, 40% of the budget goes toward policing and police are terrorizing black and brown communities. The evidence is clear across the country. So we have to do something different and not allow Republicans to flip a talking point on his head and make us respond to it. This is about reimagining our country and building back better in a way that uplifts black communities and not leaves them oppressed. So
0: it's it's only a few, only a few of, of the Washington people who speak that way. And we got to protect them at all costs because, you know, they come, they come for them. I, um, I wanted to ask you, in watching what's been happening with law enforcement in this country and our communities, do you think that there is there is a road to resolution in, in the near future for us?
1: In the near future? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I don't know how hopeful I am for the near future, because there's a lot of work that has to be done with one exception. Here's here's my optimism. Right. Mm -hmm. I do think that progressivism is on the ascendancy, I think, um, in terms of uh, leaders, you know, uh, both political leaders as well as organizers in the streets and, and, you know, you know, just revolutionaries and radicals in the streets. Um, It is definitely on the ascendancy in that regard. It's on the ascendancy. Progressivism is on the ascendancy with regard to the institutional power that we have, our ability to fundraise and organize and run people for office and to primary people like we we are really getting to that place where we have enough institutional media wise. Right. Where all the different shows that are out, all the different media, uh, independent, progressive media networks, there is um, there is a bright future that is progressive i just don't know how soon that that tide is going to turn um i my hope is certainly um before i check out of here that we could see some actual progress in this country
0: i feel you um so one of the things that obama also did uh because obama's been in the headlines he must have a movie coming out Uh, he was on the breakfast club and he criticized uh hispanic voters and that's the way that it was um for supporting Donald Trump. Um, and first and foremost, I wanna make the distinction here so that I always do that everywhere we go. Hispanic voters are Hispanic people are people who are who speak Spanish um, and Spaniards. Those are our colonizers. Latino people or Latinx people are the people who um, were oppressed by many of these groups. So when they say the words Hispanic, they're not talking about us. Mm-hmm. they are talking about um a lot of times they're talking about our oppressors so it doesn't surprise me that people who are of spanish descent in america would vote for donald trump mm-hmm. Right, that's no different than any other white person who would vote for donald trump so when they say hispanic voters it really drives me crazy because it groups us in, into this group and it a lot of the the cultural and racial dynamics of what being latinx is um, but a lot of criticism for the latinx community. And those who did support Donald Trump, which main, which with which they try to target a lot of uh, Cubans and people from Venezuela that come from socialist countries. But how fair is it to do this, uh, Benjamin? Um, and because there are there are groups of people. I mean, Black people and Indigenous people, Latinx people gay people lgbtqia plus people who all voted for donald trump right. for whatever reasons they found but there's always there's been this continuous focus on the latinx vote that where in arizona that was not the case not right. florida yes right um how does it for me it triggers me because i know that what it is 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 continuously trying to divide and conquer, right? We're constantly, they're constantly feeding us these narratives about how the other groups are against us. What, how do you think we tackle this to create some sort of solidarity? Because right now all the groups are hurting. And both need some solidarity to flip this table over. Yeah. You know, I, I
1: really have to to kind of absorb that a little. Um, one of the things is I heard you describing the frustration that you face with so much emphasis being placed on um, um, Hispanic, Latin um, voters who voted for uh, Latinx voters who voted for Donald Trump. It reminds me of the frustration that I have on my side when, when, when they say like, oh, you know, eighteen percent of black men voted for Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The, tr- the truth of the matter is, is that every single community has reactionaries, right? Every single community has conservatives, right? It's it's it is overwhelmingly a progressive uh, black community, but that never meant that we weren't going to have people who are more than happy to do the bidding of white supremacy because it right. helps their bottom line. Um, in terms of uh, Obama doing the criticism, it it is it, it's a little insulting especially from my my perspective uh as a black man who still waiting for him to have done something for us like why can why would you criticize communities as if they have to support you like as as if there can't be any deviation from the norm or from what's acceptable to the Party, because the reason I'm making this distinction is because what they did, what what, what Barack Obama does there and the Democratic Party does there all the time is is they try to ensure that everyone is 100 percent in lockstep with the neoliberal talking points, paradigm and ideology. And if you stray from that in either direction. To the Republican Party or to the Democratic Party, then they have to reel you back in. Now, if you're going over there to the Republican Party, I got nothing to talk to you about. Uh, Democrats can talk to you all you want. I got time. We, we don't have time. We got climate change to worry about. But in terms of everyone else, it's, it's like they are doing their best to control us, but they're not doing their best to actually serve us.
0: Right. And, you know, I, I hold my people accountable because the, the truth about it is, is that when they put us in this Latinx uh, box, they forget that there are black Latin people, there are indigenous yes. Latin people, that there, there's a, there's a spectrum and the interests are different. In and yeah. we got our own white people too. Like people don't realize we got our own group of white people who also oppress us. Mm. And it's really, you know, what what you said for me is is so important because yes that the, they continuously kept highlighting the fact that uh, there was a rise in black men who voted for Donald Trump as well as the black evangelicals and mm-hmm. uh, you know the Lat- the Latinx people. What I want to ask you is in the comments people have said Barack Obama was the president of all people, not the president of black people. Oh. What? he's supposed to do for black people being the president of all people and i i would love for you to respond to that because i'm so tired of that talking point
1: uh i'm gonna do my best to channel my very best michael eric dyson because he actually addressed this question back in um 2009 right after uh, barack obama was inaugurated he was at the state of the black union with tavis smiley and cornell west And he said, what do you mean? Well, because Barack Obama said that himself. He said, I'm not the president of black people. I'm the president of all people. And Michael Eric Dyson said, "What, what do you mean you're not the president of black people? By the very definition of saying that you're the president of all people, that means you're also president of black people. And if you're not doing anything for black people, then you're not being the president of all people. See, we use that as an excuse to say, don't expect anything as a black person in this country. Versus saying if he really represents everybody, if all lives actually mattered, Barack Obama, then black lives would matter. And if all policy matters for all people, then black policy for black people would matter. So, yeah, miss me with that foolishness.
0: No, I'm with you. I, I think it's imp- first and foremost, the black population in, um, in America is in dire straits. Come on. There is a problem for this community, and it is not a secret. And it's been happening forever. And America owes black American people because black American people built this country. Right. Right. But the fact that you yourself could mistakenly be assaulted by the cops or killed walking down the wrong street on the wrong night is the reality that we have a state of emergency in this country. And if you are the president of the United States, you are supposed to address that need.
1: Exactly. You need to address the specific needs of all communities, right? Because we have no problem, and and this is see, I won't allow this to drive a wedge between my community and everyone. Because we're all one. If you are fighting on behalf of marginalized people, I don't care what race you are, ethnicity, gender, orientation. Yeah. I I don't I don't care. None of that matters. That's our solidarity. We're all fighting, and and so sometimes. Comments like this, oh, um, he wasn't the president of black America, he was the president of all America, goes to drive a wedge between the black community and let's say the LGBTQIA community. Not that they are no, I mean, obviously there are plenty of black LGBTQIA members, right? But in terms of like if, if we're doing like big groupings, because what folks will always like to point out to us is that Barack Obama was more than happy to do something on behalf of the LGBTQIA community. Right. So if you're willing to do something there, if you're willing to do something for dreamers, if you're willing to do specific things for specific communities who are suffering specific harms because of America, do something about it. Damn it. Do something and stop trying to find ways of making sure that you can do anything you want except help black people.
0: Uh, One of the comments here is F.O. Fuck out of here with the Obama hate. Sometimes (laughs) I I, and I I address a lot. Some of the comments because I feel like I I can (laughs) have a conversation with ignorance. But I will say this. You cannot truly support any president in this country if you can't criticize them. And that's what makes the difference between you being a constituent and you being a fan. And we cannot afford as people of color to be fanatical about any of the people in public office because our communities are suffering and struggling right now. And it is our responsibility to hold all of them accountable, including the ones that look like us, especially the ones who look like
1: us. Especially you got up there on the merits. Of yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had a cool career. I mean, there's a lot of Harvard lawyers, a lot of community organizers, a lot of state senators, a couple of senators, you know, Congress, uh, uh, federal senators. I get that. I get that. You start, you know, but you got there on the back of the black vote. Right. The Democratic Party right now, Joe Biden will not be president today if not for the black vote. And you tell me it's wrong for us to ask for them to do something for us. We'd be a damn we'd be a fool. We would be a fool to sit back and just be okay with the fact. Oh well, you know they're the president of all people, but they ain't done shit for black folks. I'm sorry. What rating is your show? I don't just out here. (laughs) Bro,
0: you say it. No, you say. Listen, that that that. (laughs) I'm so glad you said that because so much to the point that Joe Biden went on the Breakfast Club and said, "If you don't vote for me, you You not
1: black. Come on. So
0: he even they much even they they know as much that that they have been supported black women have showed up for them Absolutely. over and over again been saving this country from the beginning from the moment that um that they got here um there's some protests in cuba going on so i said i was going to cover that today because people um a lot of cubans come for me because i do hold cubans accountable the ones that want to be white and assimilate and don't want to be with us um, in the times of struggle, but want to be with us in the times of benefit. And I think it's important for us to hold everybody accountable. But I do want to say that I'm not in favor of, of what is happening in Cuba, and especially to the people. I have an aunt and a family in Cuba who are struggling because of the, the government and the situation in Cuba. And um, I, I wanted to make sure that we we. We are very clear about where we stand because they hijacked our movement so much when we talk about healthcare and when we talk about law enforcement and they don't realize that when they lock those mailboxes or they drop those fake police off in Portland that looks more like Cuba and Venezuela mm. than what we're what we're speaking of. I wanted to um to ask your thoughts about what you thought was happening in Cuba and how you feel about people constantly hijacking your movement. And saying that we're trying to make America communist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man, uh, uh, I don't know which one to tackle first. So, so the, one of the biggest things that stands out uh, there, there, there are several protests that are happening all across the country, and if not for independent media, we wouldn't know about any of them, right? Mainstream media really is not in the business of covering uh, protests, especially protests that. Uh, would be an indirect or direct challenge to our system here. Um, in terms of this language about communism and, you know, they're hijacking our purpose. It's scaremongering, right? It's fear mongering in its finest form. Um, nobody really expects America to ever become a communist nation anytime in our lifetime, but that doesn't mean that we can't get Medicare for all. Right. That doesn't mean that we can't get some student loan uh, cancellation. Right. We've been we've been pimped and hustled in this country. We've been exploited so long in this country for every dime that we have that the idea that we would not be charged obscene profits as we are because we are fighting cancer or lupus or diabetes. You know, it's just completely obscene that we allow profit shares to be cut. Off of people who are dying of cancer and fighting cancer. And so to me, it's like if you really want to talk about uh, communism versus whatever else, look at just the absurdity of what we do in this country. Look at the absurdity of what we do and tell me that we can't do better. And if doing better means that that's communism to you, then we really need to understand how deep the fascism really uh, goes in your blood.
0: Yeah, the other thing um, that I wanted to make sure that we have to say it over and over again because there we don't realize how um, inadequate our education system is in this country, Absolutely. and so and that's one of the things that we fight for, right? Because we get we become in debt for uh, where a lot of Americans are in debt for receiving these mediocre educations that have been, you know, they've been pimped into believing it's going to change their their quality of life, and all it does. Worsens it. Right. 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 So we talk about it. But when we talk about socialism, which is very alive in America, but it doesn't benefit the average man. I think it's it's so interesting how um, this last presidency, this Donald Trump era really, really preyed on people who lack education and don't have access to information.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the idiocracy uh, um, uh, movie and and the trend of America moving towards um, this this know nothing era. Right. We're moving towards the era of reveling in excitedly reveling in ignorance right uh the rejection of science the rejection of truth the sky is green and the grass is blue that's where we are in in america so it makes it that much easier for someone like donald trump to come in as a strong man uh because we have seen the dumbing down of our country over the last i don't know generations probably
0: yeah It's been for, I mean, it's been, it's, I mean, if Kurt uh, Vonnegut wrote Hocus Pocus, I mean, you, you read about 1984, Mm -hmm. um, idiocracy is 20 years old, you know, people saw it coming. The, the people saw the, the, the writers, the philosophers, they saw it coming. And I don't think people really understand it. Everybody has a microphone now. And so like you and I become the enemy of the people when we're actually trying to fight the people, because unfortunately, if you are so busy working, my example is always a towel mill or a factory. You don't have time to read what's happening.
1: Right. No, absolutely. That's the other side of it. Right. So you have you have those people who actively reject science because they need to reject the truth in order to um, maintain their worldview, because the reason they have to reject the truth is because if that truth ever gets into them, they would realize that their worldview is bullshit, right? So they actively reject it. But then you do have that other group of people, Ida that you're mentioning, that are so locked in to just trying to survive. They literally do not have the time to go out there and learn every single policy to be active to do it. You know, it, it is capitalism, capitalism is like racism in the same way that Tony Morrison said the purpose of racism is to occupy your time. To waste your time. Capitalism do- doesn't only exploit you, but it occupies your time and it, it keeps you from having the time to actually rebel against it.
0: So, we are, um, you talk about capitalism and we, we are, we've been talking about this vaccine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the polit- the, the, them politicizing COVID so much that people are not wearing masks. You see, every day there's a post of someone who didn't believe it existed. Mm-hmm. then got it and then died of it. And it's, they're becoming memes. And it is, you know, we are talking about this vaccine. And now these people, these same people who don't want to wear the masks, are talking about how, hell no, nah, I ain't getting no vaccine because I don't trust this government and all of this stuff. And it is just further get uh, taking us down in the hole because those of us who are following the rules are also suffering at the expense of those who don't. What do you what do how what are your thoughts about this coronavirus? The pr- three former presidents say that they would take the the vaccine publicly to uh, just give people faith. Obama, Clinton, and um, and Bush Jr. What do you think about this whole idea? Because we do talk about capitalism, and people are people don't trust the government. They right. don't trust the government. And it's, you know, they're talking about these vaccines and they're saying that there's one company versus the other one that's not taking any government funding. How do you see this for us? What do you what are your thoughts about the vaccine and what's happening in this country with regards to coronavirus and how it's been devastating us here? So
1: so this one is it's not difficult, but um, I don't know, maybe it's complicated. I, I don't know. Let me just give you where I, I don't trust this government. But at the same time, damn it, if they t- if 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 I could look at the data and somebody I trust looks at the data and says this is a good vaccine, I got to trust somebody because I'm not a scientist and I'm not going to be able to break down the research and understand it in a way that I can make a con- an informed decision for myself based on reading the data. Right. So I simultaneously don't trust our government, but I have to trust scientists because what I'm going to go do the research myself. I'm going to go run my own trial. Um, that said. I don't know that I trust Obama. He said he went to Flint, Michigan and drank some water as if it was, you know, no lead in the water over there. So, I mean, I hate to be the person that gives. I take no pleasure in giving the first black president a hard time. But it's just like, come on, man, you you, kind of have a spotty track record on some key things. And going out to do a public, you know, uh, demonstration of why we should trust you isn't really in your purview in my in my best estimation. But at the same time. I probably will absolutely trust whatever the scientists scientific consensus says about the vaccine and uh and wait until after Obama and all the presidents and all the members of Congress take it and and about maybe, you know, I don't know, a hundred million other people take it and then give it about six months to see if anybody turns into a zombie. And if not, then I'll take my whole family to get it.
0: <laughs> I said the same thing. I said, y'all first. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. <laughs>
0: Um, and I and I want Ilhan, AOC, Ayana, I want them to wait. I want every I want everybody yeah. else to wait. Everybody. everybody,
1: everybody that we need to lead us into a progressive future, I need y'all to wait with me. Right. Because you never know. Maybe maybe they are so selfish and greedy. These, you know, these corporations, which we've seen historically and American government is America's government has historically done some evils. You never know. They might end up just clearing out an entire swath of hate filled people who are going to just drag their feet, might wipe out the entire Republican Party since they're so excited about the vaccine. So I would say to all the progressive people in the country, let's just (laughs) wait. Let's just wait an extra three months or something like that.
0: Um speaking of uh, Republicans uh, and wiping them out uh <laughs> <laughs> Um Mitch R- M-
1: rhetorically speaking politically speaking right
0: I know we're talking about politically speaking um Mitch McConnell oh. uh had
1: a go ahead say it say it. I oh, mean that, I- motherfucker. <laughs> that dude no I'm sorry go ahead
0: <laughs> I- <laughs> Uh Mitch McConnell had um a meltdown Mm. And um, he gave us some of them uh, Mitch McConnell tears. (laughs) You You know what, they're they're specific tears. The Mitch McConnell tears are very specific tears. Yeah. Um, Arena, run the clip.
2: Well, my friend for 18 years has been Lamar Alexander and there's been the rest of us. So I'm sorry that in a few more weeks It just be the rest of us left.
1: <laughs> it's he can't pretend to make me think for one second that he actually has a heart, right? This is a sadistic bastard we're talking about here, and he's going to cry. <laughs> Man, get the hell out of here with that.
0: You know what's funny is that I think about all of the people who mm. our comedy community lost two comedians this week to COVID um and they were both uh brown people right yeah. um I, I was talking to my friend today we went hiking this morning and all the white people on the trail did not have on a mask um, it's in calabasas all the people of color had on their masks and it's because we constantly see a reflection of ourselves on the casualty list mm-hmm. so we know that it's real right yeah. we know yeah. that it's real but when I see Mitch McConnell cry and I think about the devastation in this country mm, um i i uh I, I I also feel it's not real, but I just think crying on demand is a very important skill in Hollywood
1: <laughs> <laughs> and in politics apparently
0: <laughs> yeah and, and and some actors go to acting coaches. So that they are able to learn how to cry on the man. And I look at these because because Washington is always making fun of and talking about and criticizing Hollywood. But yes. there is so much Hollywood in Washington. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's 100 percent. Someone in the
1: chat room said it was Mitch Tears. I, I think that's the perfect I mean, literally they are Mitch tears and the way he's acting is it's just a whole show. It's a, it's a show, but it's also, it also shows you, let's say, let's, let's, let's say he's genuine. It shows you he has more concern and more empathy for his friend who's leaving than all those people who have died of COVID-19 and all the people who are struggling to pay bills right now because they won't pass any additional stimulus.
0: Say that, say that, um, I'm a. I believe in uh, solutions, and mm-hmm. I, I like to always use my platform to give people uh, vision for what can happen, and and some of the things that we are working towards. What are some of the things that you are focusing on right now that you think are of uh, of the utmost importance in terms of fighting for what is happening to our people in our marginalized community?
1: Power. I I think the biggest thing that I'm focused on is making sure that everyone understands how important it is for them to become of a become a part of a powerful unit or to amass their own political power, their organizing power, their their email lists, their fundraising capacity, their ability to put pressure on politicians like I, I, I not only power, but also transitioning. I need everyone to understand that you are the adults, right? You either have kids or you know people with kids and you got responsibilities, you got your own taxes, your own bills. You are responsible for the generation that is getting old and has to retire and you're also responsible for the generations that are to come. That's where we are. What we're how we're run in this country is by people who are so removed from our generation, from our age group, that they uh, they honestly have no connection to our responsibilities, to what we're fighting for in the context of when we're fighting, what we're fighting for in 2020 is totally different than what they had to fight for. What what uh, Susan Collins and Mitch McConnell and Diane Feinstein and, and all the rest of them who are like over 90 years old. Not for real, but you get it. it it's totally different it's totally different so how can someone who's so removed from the responsibility of 2020 be giving us policies be you know making uh, be responsible for creating legislation it's not to be ages it's to say that you as the viewer need to understand that you are the adult. And the responsibility for your family is on you. The responsibility for your destiny is on you. Why in the world are we not led by people who have the same type of responsibility as we do versus people who are not going to have to deal with the ramifications of climate change because they'll probably be dead in the next five years. So power and understand that it is our time to lead. It is our time to lead. No more waiting in line. Primary, everybody.
0: I'm with you. Um, Georgia. Atlanta is um Atlanta stays in the news. Um in, in Georgia, I'm from the south. So I'm from Florida. So okay. what Georgia, part of Florida? I, I I'm from Miami. So
1: oh, I, I grew up in Fort Lauderdale.
0: Oh, okay. So uh you already know why uh but you're not there now, you're in New York. No,
1: no, 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 I'm in Georgia now. I'm in Georgia, I'm in Atlanta.
0: You're in Atlanta, mm-hmm. so you know Atlanta has always there's I lived in, uh, in in Georgia for a while. Atlanta it, Georgia is always positioned as the south, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 dirty south. But there's a diff, there's a dynamic in Georgia that is different than the rest of the south, right? Mm-hmm. The metropolis of Atlanta is a very progressive unit and people don't really understand that when you're talking about Jonesboro and Griffin, you're not talking about Atlanta. Um, what do you think is going to happen there in January? So
1: I, I thought it was going to be close in the, the, the special elections, David Perdue and, uh, versus um, John Ossoff, Kelly Leffler versus Raphael Warnock, the, the Democrat. And at first I thought it was going to be close. And I've, I've always believed that we, we could win it. Um, and when I say we, of course, like, I don't I don't feel like, you know, we have to keep making these distinctions. But I think it's worthwhile uh, here for people who never may never heard me speak before. When I say we I'm not talking about it as if I see myself as a Democrat. I'm talking about it as those of us who at least at a minimum believe that we should wear a mask. That's it. Like, I don't have a lot of hope in John Ossoff or and I do kind of like uh, Raphael Warnock. We have a very similar background. Um but I, I'm not putting my energy investing in them as personalities. I really do believe that they will do what the scientists say. And I think that's all that matters in 2020 and 2021. Uh, that said, what do I think is going to happen? The Republicans in Georgia, they are ripping each other apart. They, are in, they have so much infighting happening right now. It's beautiful. I think we need to exploit it. I think we need to exacerbate it. I think we need to push them to the point where they're fighting each other rhetorically in the streets. And um, if that continues to happen, Then I think it actually is going to be a a pretty solid victory versus a close victory in January for Democrats and for those of us who believe in science.
0: So I wanted to ask you uh, this question. I've never asked anyone this on Truth Serum before because it's just there are only certain people who I wanna I wanna know how they really think. (laughs) If you had your druthers and you could see someone be the president of this country and really and think that they could do A good job. Give me a list of three people that you thought would be, you think would be, great presidential candidates for this uh, for this country. Because everybody's uh, in our group, you hear, oh, when will AOC be thirty five? Right, that we bring. But we we're so caught up with celebrity culture in this country that we don't realize that. A lot of these people are not doing the work. These people just have followers. There are people on the ground who do the work every day. And those oh, yeah. are the ones to be exalting. Yeah. Um, who would you see uh, do a good job with running the corporation of America? <laughs>
1: That's a tough one, because
0: the, I mean, let's let's OK, I'll answer it
1: and then I'll tell you why I think it's tough. I, I'm an, I am going to go with the, the big three. Like, I, of course, I think Bernie Sanders would have done, uh, would have done a great job. Um, I think Elizabeth Warren would have done a great job in 2016 um, had she run uh, because I think she would have won. And I am. I I do. I do really love the energy of the squad in general. Right, Um, The way they had no they had just complete disrespect for Barack Obama this week. And and I appreciate that. I like Obama. Let me put this on. I actually like Barack Obama, but I also think it is far more valuable to have a generation of leaders who do not bow before his throne. Right. And so to that end, I would throw any uh, just about anybody from the squad at this point. Like um, I know Ilhan Omar can't because she's an immigrant, but uh, AOC, um, um, Ayanna Pressley, keep an eye on her. Like she she's she's not the most vocal out of the crew, uh, out of the squad. But I know her from Massachusetts when I lived there and she did a lot of great work in Massachusetts. So uh, I I really don't want to pick a particular person from the squad in so much as to say. I think the squad is next. Somebody out of that group or at least that type of fight would do a good job leading this country. So long as they can hold on to the fight that they have right now, all the way until the time they actually become president and not be co-opted between now and then.
0: I agree. And, I, you know, what's interesting is that they are unbreakable. Their bond is unbreakable, even yeah. though they broke with uh, Warren and uh, Ayana endorsed yeah, yeah. Warren and the rest endorsed Bernie you still can't break them. Like as, as much as they tried, even with that, they were still, they're still unbreakable. I, I've actually met Ayana and I I actually, I have a lot of respect for her and she, yeah, she might not be as vocal, but she well, is she, as effective. She's,
1: she's fierce. And I, like I said, I, I saw her uh, when I lived in Boston, she was running for office, the state level office there. And uh, next thing I know, she was she won the, the congressman seat. So the congressperson seat. So shout out to her.
0: And, and and the fact that she's where she is, Il- Ilhan is where she is, you know. And Corey now is now making an impression, you know, joining us and fighting the good fight. Um, what do you think is going to happen in January with uh, Not So Forty Five? <laughs> uh, remember above the rim. Every <laughs> other- That's why I call him nuts, though. Playing <laughs> <know>. <laughs> that imaginary basketball for the last oh, four. Oh
1: man, it has been wild. Um, you know, I think he's going to announce um, that he's going to run in twenty twenty four. I think he's going to announce on inauguration day. He's he's an attention. Um, he's in, he needs attention, um, and I also think he needs money. And he can raise unlimited amounts of money running for president. Doesn't mean he could use it for his personal purposes, but I don't know if they keep flying those helicopters and airplanes to his resorts, that money is going to end up in his pocket anyway. So I think he has a very, uh, very concrete strategy of announcing his run in 2024, maintaining an unbelievable amount of influence in the Republican Party and the conservative movement in this country. He is going to stunt the development of new leadership in the Republican Party. And you know what? That's what they deserve. Because the Republicans are just as responsible for Donald Trump as Donald Trump. Republicans represent Trumpism. They should not get a free pass and be allowed to get off scot-free just because he leaves office. I hope that Donald Trump haunts them for the rest of his life and in his afterlife.
0: Yo, I think he has one hell of a vault because when I tell you he flips people, the people so who, were what? I'm like, I want to know what he has in that vault on Lindsey Graham. Like he's oh. got, <laughs> he got the vault of all votes. When do you think he will stop this foolishness? Um, cause every day it is, he's still fighting for election fraud, right? Mm. Um, when do you think that stops? When does when does he finally pick his face up off the floor and says, "I'm done"?
1: Um, so there's two answers to that question. One, once it becomes clear that he probably will be removed by the Secret Service, I think he'll go ahead and get out of there. Um, somebody out of the White House. Somebody, uh, one of the reporters, uh, a woman journalist, actually asked a, a very straightforward question. Um, to the, to I'm paraphrasing, but she basically said. Are you telling us you're not going to leave? And it resonated with him in the sense because it it he looked and he said, of course, I'm going to leave. Um, now, between now and then, I think he's going to keep trying to overturn the results of the election. Right. But to answer your question, when will he pick up uh, and try to save face? I think once it becomes evident that the Secret Service is going to remove him if he doesn't. And then, two, uh, when is he going to, like, let go of all of the shenanigans that he's playing on this country and politics and the Republican Party? Never. Until he dies, he's going to be the same Donald Trump all the way to his dying breath.
0: Yo, um, I know that uh, Biden said that, it, that he has no plans um, to um, seek any legal action against Donald Trump, but that does not, which I thought was weak and whack, yeah. right? But uh, but that does not uh, it that does not uh, mean that local jurisdictions cannot right. come for Donald Trump. Do you see them going to jail? Do you think he's gonna pardon himself and his family before he's out?
1: <laughs> yeah, he's gonna pardon himself. Like, why? <laughs> why would he not? I would. I would. Like, I'm not going. I would never get into kind of dumb shit trouble that he got into. But mm-hmm. like, why would he not? Why would he leave office and expect people to not come after him? So it's in his best interest to go ahead and pardon himself and create a constitutional crisis or whatever, whatever that's going to be like. We've never seen it before. I kind of have like, um, um, you know, it's kind of like driving by a a car wreck and you just can't help but look at it. This 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 twisted fascination with how far Donald Trump can actually push things without destroying our country. Um, And I think that he's going to push the envelope both on overturning the results of the election as well as um, refusing um, not, not just refusing to concede, but also refusing to let go of power in this country, refusing to let go of influence in this country. No matter how devastating it is, he's going to continue.
0: Um, I wanted to just get your a, a brief description of what how you see what Donald Trump has done to the country in the last four yeah. years. Yeah, we get, I get people all the time that are like all the politicians are corrupt. The Democratic Party is just as bad. And I was like, yeah. But still, mm. he took, uh, so uh, Obama got a car with no gas and and drove it for a couple more miles and got it to where it needed to go. Donald Trump took the car and
1: ran it off the side of the road. <laughs> 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 he packed in as many people as he could and drove it off the cliff. Uh, what Donald Trump has done over the last four years, like, it, it, it's it's... We have been dealing with a level of trauma over the last four years that I don't think we're fully aware of because not only the 250, 270,000 people now who are, who have died from COVID-19, those are real fam- deaths. Those are real families that are mourning and grieving. And that is directly the res- the response, the result, rather, of Donald Trump's recklessness and downplaying it and not taking it seriously. And politicizing it. So that's just one thing. But the other parts that we've been traumatized on are all the different ways that Donald Trump has just thrown mud every single day, all day long, chaos. He has a chaos theory. It is impossible to keep up with all of his lies because he lies so much. It is impossible to keep up with all the damage that he's, he's done because he's doing so much damage. And it's impossible to keep up with all the scandals because it's, it's a never ending cycle of scandals and crimes. And he knows that. And I think over the last four years, he's done a he's had a concerted effort um, of 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 intentionally undermining our ability to process the last drama, the last scandal, the last news cycle. And he's accelerated it to the point where it's three or four or five, 10 times a day. Now we have to process some absurdity from the most powerful person on the face of the planet. So I think what's going to end up happening in addition to us trying to heal and recover from COVID-19 is that we're going to actually have to get used to not having every single day be bat shit out of control because of Donald Trump constantly and relentlessly throwing scandals at us as a way of making himself Teflon done. That's how nothing sticks to him because he continuously throws shit.
0: Have you ever met someone who is a Donald Trump supporter? that could give you some good reasons why they support Donald Trump? You know, I've been
1: afraid to ask some of my conservative friends. I went to, uh, I was in a PhD, I didn't finish the PhD, but I was in the PhD program, um, all but dissertation. And a lot of them were conservatives. Uh, it was an international politics program um, and really great people. that. Point. Really like, there's a couple of assholes, but for the most part, I love all of them. They're all overwhelmingly conservative. I'm a little afraid to ask them because I don't want to not like them. I don't want to. I don't. Uh, so in terms of other conservatives, nobody's ever given me anything in uh, in terms of conservatives that I actually know. Um, I'm afraid to ask them because I, I just don't want to know that maybe underneath all their charming smiles and really, you know, good friendship and love and all that kind of stuff, that they're just some bigotry that they just, you know, they just genuflect to. I don't know. Um, but I do know one time I did hear one person, conservative friend of mine, say that he was really more turned off by the gall of people telling him something he couldn't do, saying that you couldn't vote for Donald Trump, you couldn't vote for the Republican. Like, he's like, how are you going to tell me what I can't do? He said, I'm more likely to do something just because you're trying to tell me what I can't do. That might be the only excuse that I've heard so far that I'm like, I don't agree with you, but I understand because I'm petty like that, too.
0: I know. I mean, I, and, I, and I ask you that because I've been called a sellout because I voted for Biden and because I voted for Biden doesn't mean that I support, I, I'm not a Biden fanatic, but I right. really felt like I had to vote for the lesser of two evils, right? Yeah. And and that, that was just what it was at this time. But um, I have a conversation with someone who is a Trump supporter and they said, Do you really hate me for supporting Donald Trump? Like, can it? Can't we? Can't you believe what you believe and me believe what I believe? And I'm like, yeah, but if you what you believe is rooted in my oppression, I can't fuck with you, my G. Listen, we can't we can't be friends and, and, and
1: we can't be friends if what you believe um is going to lead to my destruction. I got to get you first. You know what I mean? Like, how can you expect us to be friends when you actually will lead to my death? If everything that you believe in is implemented and everything yeah. that you support is protected. Right. We, we can't be friends. Now, we could be associates and I could speak to you every three or four years. You know what I mean? Fine. That's fine. That's 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 how, I, you know, my friends from uh, from the Ph.D. program who are conservatives. But I, I can't have anyone actively in my space on a regular basis who actually believes in policy that is detrimental to my life and the life of the people I love.
0: How um how can people support you? What How do they uh, follow you, watch, listen to your show? How yeah. can they. For your movement, because your movement is important.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. They can find me on Twitter at Benjamin P. Dixon. I talk the most shit. I, I talk so much cash money shit on Twitter. I'm like, you know what? I'm about, to, I'm about to get out here in the streets and be ready to fight. Because some of the stuff I'd be saying to folks <laughs> on, on Twitter. Uh, but So if you want a good show, come, come follow me on Twitter. Uh, if you want a nice, balanced experience, you can watch uh, the, the Benjamin Dixon show every night at 9 p.m.-ish on YouTube. And if you really want to support, um, be sure to, to support Ida and and what she's doing here and become a patron and like, share and subscribe all of her work.
0: I appreciate that. Um, I I, it, it, I always ask. This is how the show started. Are there any names of people that you would like to? Uh, I, I, I always encourage the people who watch and we do get a lot of people who watch. Um to follow and learn about the people who are actually getting the work done. Um Van Crump, they've all come on the show Mm -hmm. and all shouted out the names of people that we wouldn't normally know because they don't have celebrity status. Are there any names of any people you want to shout out that are that you know that are the good people out there doing the good work?
1: Yeah, I mean you know what? Yes. And I don't want to I don't want to once I start naming names, I'm going to leave somebody I, I know for sure. Uh, but insay Unfat over at um, New Georgia Project, uh, doing amazing, amazing work. And I'm actually going to interview her later on tonight. I'm also interviewing tonight Justin Horwitz, who leads Really American. Um, that's the Really American PAC that is responsible for all these um, um, amazing commercials and advertisements and billboards in Georgia. They're trying to help us win Georgia uh, for Rational and you know, reasonable people who believe in science. So shout out to them. Uh, and in terms of on the ground, on the ground, always got a lot of respect for my sister, Anoa Changa uh, in Atlanta, who's doing amazing work and has always done amazing work. And then I couldn't not give a shout out to my homeboys, Marcus Farrell and Mundell Robinson, who are actively on the ground. Whenever they're not doing a show with me, they're gone doing work. So shout out to all of them.
0: Yes. I appreciate that. Listen to those names, watch the show again, follow those people and support their movements because these are the people who are fighting for the people. And I don't think people understand that. I don't think we understand that we do this because we were doing it for our uncles and our cousins and the people in our communities. Everybody's not going to be a lawyer. Some of us show up to, you know, cut your meat and Mm -hmm. to make your towels and those people's lives matter too. So, mm. um, I want to say thank you for being here. Um you were, you know, one of our first uh, the one of the people that we wanted here. And the most I for you to come back.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Just you just say the word, I'll be back. And and I want to get you over on my show sometime soon.
0: I appreciate that. And uh, follow Benjamin Dixon. And listen, if you if you are uh, of the faint of heart, don't follow us because your feelings are going to get hurt. Like <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they most
1: certainly will. They most they most certainly will. Because I'm gonna t- tell you, like you know, you, you and be precise with your language. Like really think through what you want to say before you tweet at us. Because not it's not like we we aren't we aren't Twitter guides or anything like that. But it's like we just deal with so much stupid shit over the years that we kind of have. We're kind of triggered. Our, our our trigger finger is itchy. So um, you know, just. But come over for a good show, though. We we definitely. I I follow your timeline too. You be out there
0: cutting them people to pieces. No, that's you. I I, I got permission from you. When I realized, like, and then I saw somebody come at you, and you were like. Wait a minute
1: now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, listen, I haven't had a really good Twitter fight in a while. And, and and like that's, you know, I don't know. You just change over the years. Uh, like, but when I first got on Twitter, I was fighting with everybody. I mean, and not just because it's like I I, re- I fight what I believe and I'm really, really passionate about it. But now I'm like, I just got to the, uh, to the age now where I'm like, I don't even get on Twitter like that for real. Uh, I do get on it every day. But er- early on in this 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 politics thing, I was on it all day. So um, but yeah, no, I and I love what you said. And I'm going to shut up because I know our time is up. But um, you said that you you kind of got permission for me. And but what you're saying, though, is is so important. It is the the broader community. And we do look for signals from each other. Right. We look for signals on. okay, folks. Are we going to be out here? Am I going to be out here by myself, or am I going to have some back? And so, when you see somebody who is as bold as you are, it really makes you feel like there are people out there that have your back. And I think that's really important. So I, I'm glad if I if I actually serve that role for you. I hope that um I hope that serve that role for a whole lot of other people because there've been so many people out there who have served that role for me when I feel like oh I'm going out here on the ledge, but then I see my sister like Bree Newsome or or anybody yeah. else like Bree comes to mind because she's specifically one day was so bouted it <laughs> on Twitter that I rolled up my sleeve and I'm said, all right, let's get to work.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'll tell you right now, specifically when um, this, after George Floyd and the mm-hmm. riot, and it was the, the anniversary of what happened in Oklahoma. And people were, you know, even actors, and they were like, oh, we're not with the looting, but we're, and I was like, I had reached the point where I was like, how much much longer y'all going to tell us to continue to feel the pain of oppression Mm -hmm. and tell us how to process it and how to react to it? You know, and then, you know, you was like, bam, 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 bam. (laughs) I was like, uh, all right, I'm gone. Well, come on, done. Look, it's
1: the people's. If you ask me about looting, it's the people's tax. If you ask me about writing, it's the voice of the unheard. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, we we That's what we do, Ida. And I'm so glad and proud of your work, too, because we're pushing the Overton window and we're not letting these people uh, uh, chain us in anymore and cage us in anymore. We're going to speak our truth.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. I'm glad you're here. Thank and... You, uh, nice be watching tonight, and I encourage everyone here to watch tonight, and please come back.
1: Thank you. I definitely will anytime. All right. See you later.
0: Bye, guys.